everybody, and welcome to the Friday edition of Winners and Winers Radio. I am your host, Scott Steen, lead handicapper over at winnersandwiners.com. And I'm your co-host, Scott Rochelle, senior handicapper over at winnersandwiners.com. And together, we make up Winners and Winers Radio. Give us an hour, and we'll give you the winners. All righty. Well, Scott, big game yesterday in the NFL. Your Dallas Cowboys came oh so close against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But in a huge surprise, Tom Brady led a game-winning drive with under two minutes left. Stunned. I'm stunned that that happened. How about yourself? I've never seen Brady do that before in his entire life. <laughs> Crazy. Um, what, is he, what is he now? Like 75? Yeah, he's like, he just, just passed 75. It's incredible mm-hmm. what he does. And You know, they put... Did they sack him? Did they get to him? I don't think they did. You think there was a chance they sacked him? Absolutely. With that pass rush? Yeah. Absolutely not. I, was there... Did they get the Dak once? There was one sack in the entire game. That's, That's what when it, Dak, in the, at the end of the first half, took that 15-yard loss with the Barrett sack, which was just atrocious. But, yeah, they got he got sacked once. Took him out of field goal range, and that was a, that was a big one for me, Scott, because it allowed me to cash my first half ticket where I had Tampa I was Bay minus four and a half. out of field goal range because McCarthy didn't get that memo, but they were technically out of field goal range. We'll talk about that also. Yeah, right? we, might, we might bring that up a little bit later, so... We hope everybody had fun opening the NFL season, kind of a mixed bag. A little bit of a surprise as far as the Tampa Bay defense goes, I would say, huh? Oh, it wasn't good. All right, well, let's get to it. We got a lot to get to today. We're going to talk about some college games. We're going to recap that NFL game that everybody saw yesterday, as well as lay out some baseball picks, et cetera, et cetera. should be a fun and action-packed Friday. And then don't forget, just because we're off the radio, guys, doesn't mean... That we're not still doing the show. We're going to be doing our special edition of the College Pick'em Show and our NFL Pick'em Show first time of the season. And we'll be posting those on our um, YouTube channel over there at Winners and Winers as well as available for in podcast form at all your favorite podcast places. So make sure you check out our shows. Those should be up Sometime later today, at least for the college, and I think the NFL will probably be up on Saturday. So stay tuned for that. In the meantime, hey, man, let's talk about how uh, how it went for everybody. Let's see who did well, and let's see who did not do well in today's edition of Call the Cops. All right, Scott. Well, let's start it off. Oh man, where are we where are we where are we gonna go here? Oh hey, how about the football game? If you had the Cowboys money line plus three seventy five, oh so close, you're up a point with one twenty nine left. All you've got to do is keep Tom Brady and the offense from going down that. Oh no, and it was set up by what we would call a controversial call, although between you and I, there was really no controversy. It was OPI all day long. Godwin clearly pushed off, but did we give himself separation there? On that catch down the left field si- left sideline, which set up the, t- the field goal, but it was not called, and Tampa Bay went on to kick the field goal and win 31-29. If you had the Cowboys on the money line, plus 375, you were very close to a nice payday. In the end... Call the cops. And looking at the second one in baseball, if you had the Phillies on the money line against the Rockies, you're up 2-1 to one going into the ninth inning, which is a problem because when you have Phillies bullpen, you need to be up by at least five runs for you to be safe there. And the Rockies scored three runs into the ninth. Then the Phillies scored one run 
with the runner on third, two outs, couldn't get him home. Phillies end up losing the game four to three. Yeah, the Yankees and the Blue Jays under nine. You were in great shape heading into the ninth inning. They were sitting at six runs as the uh, Toronto Blue Jays had a 4-2 lead over the suddenly hapless Yanks. Blue Jays put up two in the top of the ninth, and the Yankees, well, they answered with two in the bottom of the ninth. Not enough, but it certainly was enough to make it 6-4. to four. And if you had the under nine in that game, you were probably cursing and then calling the cops. Definitely some tough beats uh, for some people on Thursday. Absolutely true. So on the other side of the coin, these are the nice, easy wins. The ones where you didn't have to sweat, you had it capped correctly, everything went right, no last-minute shenanigans, no ninth-inning heroics, just straight easy money as you were sitting in the rocking chair. So the first one was in baseball between the Royals and the Orioles. If you had the under... Eight and a half. You had one run in the first seven innings combined. Now, of course, it's never really a rocking chair with an under when you have these two bullpens going at it, but the Royals bullpen held its own, and the Royals ended up winning the game six to nothing. So if you ended up having under eight and a half, you had a nice easy winner. Chris Perez, buddy. Told you. Told you. Gotta believe. Gotta believe. You mean her you mean Hernandez? I mean Hernandez, not Chris Perez. Chris, Chris, I believe if you Chris got the Perez right is the name, guy that got weed sent to his dog. I was going to say if you if you got the right name of the pitcher that you were praising yesterday, then maybe I would admit I was wrong. But no, he was good. Yeah, he, he's he's very very solid. So, you know, we we were uh, we were at the game one time with Chris Perez in the bullpen. We were sitting right above the bullpen, and we yelled at him. We had a great time throughout the. He was a very very amiable guy as we lightly heckled him for sending his dog marijuana. Nice. Do you remember that when that happened? That was a couple years ago, but it's yeah. been it's been a minute. Yeah, it's probably it's probably been six seven years ago. But yeah, he had we he had weed sent addressed to his dog, and his dog's like, I don't even smoke. I'm more of an edibles guy. So anyway, yes, Chris Hernandez. Is that when the dog said I should have said Dimaggio? I should have said Dimaggio. Don't make me tell that joke again because you know I'll do it. You'll have to tell it once every couple months. That's about right. Yeah, Chris Hernandez, very solid. Six innings pitch, three hits. No earned, very, very good pitcher going forward. So if you had the Cowboys Bucks over 51 and a half, like I did for my play of the day, Scott, I don't know what you're out there doing with your buying your points and whatnot. Just play the over and walk away. Easy game. Easy game, my friend. 37 points in the first half, 17 points alone in the third quarter. Hey, if you want to watch the fourth quarter, you can. But if you had the over, you didn't have to. This game landed on 60. You had Cowboys Bucks over 51 and a half. Hey, have yourself a seat in the rocking chair. And the last one was between the Dodgers and the Cardinals. If you had the under nine, you had three runs in the first five innings and then no runs for the rest of the game. Game ended two to one. Very good. You know, talk about this next guy. I, I wasn't fully on board with this. I know, I think you're, I think you came in a little hot. On, on this cat, but I'm going to, we're going to, we're going to allow it. And I'm going to let you lay your case out as we find out who came all the way from green Bay, just to strap on the golden feedback, Scott, who is it? Who could it be for donkey of the day? I let it go all the way there for you, buddy. All right, take it away, my friend. So, donkey of the day, since we're sticking with a lot of football conversation on this show, 
It's going to be none other than Cowboys coach, Super Bowl winning head coach, Mike McCarthy, because he made several really dumb decisions throughout this entire game. And if you weren't keeping track of them, that's okay, because I did. So I'm going to go through the three really awful decisions in any particular order. First thing he did, attempted a field goal on fourth and goal at the two-yard line. Cowboys barely ran the ball the entire game. They ran a they ran a speed option on third and goal, got stuffed, and then kicked from the two-yard line. Remember when McCarthy got the job and he claimed that he was studying all these analytics and how he was ready to really showcase what he learned moving forward? Yeah, kicking field goals at the two-yard line when your defense gives up 31 points is usually not a good recipe for using analytics properly. So that's one. So lay, lay one, out lay out the game situation there, Scott. What was the, what was the score? What what would make McCarthy do such a thing? Well, it was still relatively early in the game. It was in the first half, so it wasn't seriously the end end of the world. But at the end of the day, Tampa was going up and down the field for pretty much the entire first half. A couple of turnovers there, which, of course, the Lawrence strip was nice on Ronald Jones. The screen pass interception was lucky because Fournette dropped the ball. Point is, Cowboys didn't really get many stops. So I just thought that conceding there and kicking a field goal really would make more sense if your defense was actually, you know, good. I feel like that would have made more sense. But the Cowboys took over, uh, and it was really... It was really misspoke. I thought it was the first drive of the second. Yeah, But it was fourth and goal at the two or three, nine minutes to go in the third quarter. You haven't gotten many stops. Go for it. I, I don't know what you're really waiting for. Tampa hasn't stopped you all night. Why are you kicking field goals from the three? But anyway, the second one I think is the worst one, which you should be thrilled about because it helped you cash Tampa Bay's first half spread there. Yep. How do you attempt a 60-yard field goal with 20 seconds left in the first half when the other team has no timeouts? Yeah, I don't really understand that one. I mean, Zerline has been known for his leg. All right. He also chunked a 31 yarder earlier. And hit in the and game. hit the upright on an and extra point. Right. Yeah. I understand. But as far as that goes, I what, what what do you want him to do? You want him to just punt at that point? Punt. You don't have a choice. I mean, you got you got pretty lucky that Tampa Bay ended up not scoring when they took over from about the 50. Right. You can't you can't go you can't kick there especially with a kicker that's been struggling up to this point you can't do that yeah you have to punt the ball I love the idea of trying to get points on the board I think we all knew watching the game after what we saw from Zerline before there was no chance he was going to hit it I thought that was a terrible decision and the last one I'm nitpicking but I think it is important Tampa Bay's in field goal range to win the game suck up is ready to go Cowboys have two timeouts with about 10 seconds left in the fourth quarter. How do you not ice the kicker? What are you doing? Are you saving the timeouts for next week? Yeah, I don't. I didn't really understand that. Again, you and I are, are kind of in the same boat on this where we don't really think it's a thing, that it really matters. But you, at that you're point, you're going to use the two anyway. You're, you're out of arrows in your quiver. You've, you've, you've got to, you've, at some point, you've just got to throw your gun. You know, Even you, for superstition, you got to pull out the rabbit's foot, try anything you can. Right. I mean, you're just going to, you got to try to ice them or something. That's what I'm saying. When, when you run out of bullets and they're still coming at you, you don't just drop your gun. You still th you throw your gun at them. And that's, and that's what icing the kicker there 
It's the last aspect, last act of a desperate coach, but they didn't do it. I agree. I, I agree with you on that one. So. so I have three things there. Of course, maybe if you disagree about the field goal on the fourth and goal, my argument would be how many stops did, did Tampa actually have throughout the entire game? Not many. You really couldn't try to go for three yards? Really? Yeah, I agree. That's, you know, that's... It's getting a little dicey there from three out if you're if you're from the two in. Yeah. But even if you miss, then Tampa's at their own three-yard line. So, of course, that's like a built-in punt. But I just don't know how you can go into a gunfight, participate for basically an entire half, and then decide midway through the third quarter and just, you know what? Let me try my knife. Like, what? What? I don't, I don't, I just don't get it. You're not getting any stops. You got to try to score touchdowns every time. Yeah, I, I, you can't, you're bringing a knife to a gunfight with, without one for touchdowns. For one possession. And then they went back to going back to a gunfight. I, it just, you have to go for it there. You couldn't get a stop. You had to, and they just didn't do it. So what'd you learn? What, what, what'd we learn in this game? I learned that the Cowboys offense, really, really good. Uh, Dak looked great. I mentioned comeback player of the year about when we were doing the second breakdown of the divisions and, I think it was plus 260. I said it was basically free. It's probably minus 200 right now. I'm not really sure how you're going to find a plus price at this point because he had 400 yards and three touchdowns on a primetime game. So uh, I think that's definitely – I'd say the ship has sailed on that, but I think as long as Dak stays healthy, it's his award. Other than that, the main takeaway that I had was that Mike McCarthy, still a terrible game manager no matter what, other than that, the Cowboys offensively, that's easily a top five offense in the league, but we knew that. Tampa Bay looked very comfortable offensively with Brady. A couple of duck throws in the second half, which ended up somewhat working out. But yeah, my main takeaway was bunting better be healthy because Tampa Bay's defense looked awful in the first week. But that Cowboys team, they can't stop anybody. But Dak looks, if not 100% back, 989 because he's... He was cooking throughout that entire game. You? Yeah, I was kind of curious. I really thought Tampa Bay might try to run the ball a little bit more with Fournette and Jones. You know, I, just... I thought maybe, but then you remember the running backs, and I just thought throughout the entire game, I just kind of thought they can't cover Brown, they can't cover Evans, they can't cover Godwin. Evans was a complete non-factor. If you have Evans on your fantasy team, I'd start panicking because he looked lost out there, but – Cowboys couldn't cover anybody, so I'm not exactly surprised Brady ended up with 370 plus passing yards. Yeah, agreed. It was a. Uh, I, I don't know. I I think Dallas is going to be a, a dead over team all year. They should be because you know, in fairness, their defense it weren't awful as far as as far as against the run goes. I mean, it's good news and bad news. They they threw all over the field, but they did hold them to 3.7 yards per carry. I was surprised. See, how- I think that the way you look at it, sorry to interrupt, but I'm not going to give them credit for stopping the run when Tampa Bay chose to just abandon the run because every receiver's wide open every single play. Yeah, and that's fair enough. I mean, because you, you, you sometimes see those stats throughout a season. You're like, well, this team's really good against the run. Well, they can't stop the pass on anybody running. Yeah, how's the pass them. defense? It's the worst in league history. Right. Ah. That's you, you see that. But, you know, this is a Tampa Bay team that has been really good at stopping the run and they and they did a nice job giving up just 3.3 yards per carry i was a fan of that move though 
I thought Kellen Moore for the Cowboys did a phenomenal job with the play calling offensively. He knew going in, we can't run the ball. And they decided in going into the game, Elliot, I know we're paying you $90 million. You're a decoy tonight. And I thought that was a brilliant move. Yeah. that's exactly what they, that's exactly what they used him for as he just, he carried the, he carried the ball just 11 times for 33 yards. Not, not good at all. I don't know. I don't know where we go from here, buddy. It's going to be it's going to be an interesting season. A quick reminder to everybody that you are listening to Winners and Winners Radio. Give us an hour, and we'll give you the winners. Do you agree with me, by the way, about the Mike Evans situation? Because I know it's early, and I'm sure people do fantasy football, and he was the only one who really didn't do anything out of all the receivers in yesterday's game. He looked awful out there. He was also banged up on the sideline, and I am kind of curious if maybe he's an under moving forward with receiving yards and everything like that, but certainly he, something to he keep an eye on. Good. He, yeah. He, yeah. he didn't look ideal. They, t- they targeted, they targeted him six times, just three catches for 24 yards. Not a great night at all. Uh, AB was the difference maker in this one. Would you agree? Him and Godwin. And of course, Godwin had the fumble, which kind of put a dent in his good afternoon, but then he made up for it with the, non-offensive pass interference call which got them into field goal range but yeah I think that you can agree that those two guys and Gronk who for some reason is still really really good had 90 yards and two touchdowns I wasn't surprised he scored but yeah Mike Evans is a guy who people were expecting huge things out of in that offense and the truth is that even when he struggles Tampa doesn't care because they're going full steam ahead and they're going to score 30 something points oh hang on Scott I'm getting word that CD Lamb just dropped another pass See, that's the thing, though, is that Lamb had an awful first quarter. After the first quarter, well, he had the touchdown, actually. The, he had an awful six minutes. He was really good at the end. What do you have, seven receptions for, like, 120? 104, yeah. Yeah, so he, he, he still had a good day. There were a couple drops in there, but I'm trying to think of what takeaway I can have with the Cowboys' offense. I thought Lamb's biggest mistake of the night was going out of bounds on that third-down conversion in the final drive. I don't – I think out of – Anything that you can do, I know that Zerline had struggled and he tried to get closer. There's about a 140 to go. You cannot go out of bounds there. You can't. You have to force Tampa to either burn a timeout right. or you waste 40 seconds. You can't go out of bounds there. And that was a huge mistake. Agreed. That's just that's just football IQ right there. So, yeah, this is a guy that, what, had the eighth most drop passes in the league last year? Uh, correct. I don't know. That problem doesn't seem to have gotten any better. We'll see. Definitely did not, but he still had a good afternoon. And they also have some other talent on that team as well. They've got a few other guys that can uh, that can make some catches there. Were you surprised that Leighton Van Der Esch was a relative no-show in this one? I would say no because he's a very good tackler. He's not a great cover guy, which is also why I thought that the Cowboys would struggle in pass coverage, which was the case the entire night. So when Van Der Esch can't get into the box and tackle running backs and he's forced to drop into coverage – I didn't hear anything from him. I didn't hear anything about Jalen Smith and Parsons. They kept showing on TV. It was never anything good, but they kept showing. I thought Parsons had an okay game. I didn't think he was that bad, but when your linebackers are all good at tackling and really none of them are good at covering, that's why Gronk goes for 90 and two touchdowns. And we don't hear the linebackers names throughout the entire game. All right. Very good. Hey, let's find out. I know, I know you're a Dallas fan. I know you're a Yankees fan. Wasn't your best day, Scott. Speaking of that, that's going to lead us right into our next segment. Let's find out who not only was drunk for the day, somebody was on pretty much a full midweek bender there. Let's uh, let's find out and discover why were the odds makers drunk. 
Scott, something happened in New York this week that hasn't happened for 97 years. The Yankees played a four-game series, never had the lead. Not once. Not once did they have the lead. And the odds makers, Scott, tell us the funny part about the Yankees never having a lead. The Yankees were favored in every single game. Every single game. Come on, guys. What in the world were you thinking? Uh, we just kept loading up on Toronto, and they just kept it. Just it was the gift that kept on giving. We had that as a premium play today, and you pointed out the great the, the, that I didn't even realize they didn't even face Toronto's best pitcher. They didn't even face uh, Cy Young candidate leader Scott. What is I'll say, I'll say co-favorite co-favorite Robbie Ray, who's been pitching fantastic. They dodged him. He pitched the night before the series opened. So they get the other four uh, pitchers that are supposed to be the problem with with uh, Toronto. And Toronto holds them to eight runs in four games. Just brutal. Just absolutely brutal. So, odds makers, you're drunk again. You're on a, a four-day bender right there, guys. I don't yeah, don't look for the odds makers to be working too hard on Friday. I think they're going to be pretty hungover. The New York tax is quite powerful for all the wrong reasons if but, you... Well, like the Yankees, because you're paying a tax and you probably shouldn't be because that team right now, significantly worse than Toronto. Yeah, they really are. And by losing four straight to the Jays, the Jays have made up some ground. They're just a half game back on the for the wild card. Eh, some games, four games, you know, who's counting really how much ground they made up. <laughs> and, uh, of course, Seattle is closing in. They're just two games back, of course. Uh, who else is there, Scott? Who else is just, Oakland's, Oakland's two games back. That's right. Technically, Oakland's there. Uh, they've had a couple of teams pass them. I'm not sure if they're officially out of it, but what are they like three back now? No, they're two, two back. And a half? Two, just two, two with Seattle. Okay, so they're close, of course. Toronto's close. Boston is still right there because Boston right now has the number one spot, but barely right. for the wild card race. It's an absolute war. If there were live odds on playoffs, would the Yankees be a minus? Probably with the Yankees tax involved. I'm assuming. I don't know what that minus would be, but they definitely shouldn't be a minus because I don't know how long Cole's going to be out for. I heard the Yankees might have dodged a bullet and Cole might not miss a start, but this team is falling apart. And I don't really know what more you need to see to know this team's falling apart. Well, and this is a Yankees team that has an interesting schedule left, Scott. Now they do have, they do have some cupcakes. They've got a, uh, they've, they've got Try to see. They've got, they've got three with Baltimore. They've got three with Texas, and they've got three with Cleveland. And then they've got one makeup game with the Twins there on Monday. But other than that, it's going to be some real teams. They play the Mets. They play Boston. They play Toronto, and they play Tampa Bay. So and they and they play Toronto and Tampa Bay the last week of the season. Is this a Yankees team that's going to be able to to run it out, Scott? Or are they going to are they going to stumble down the stretch? In the defense, they can't really get much worse, but I feel like I'm going to say what a lot of Yankees fans know but don't exactly want to admit right now. The 13-game win streak, fluke. This team isn't very good. It's fine. We saw this team struggle for the first half of the year. They got hot. They traded for Rizzo, won 13 straight. Then, surprisingly, they went back to being their normal selves. The issue is the offense, bringing Rizzo, bringing Gallo, who's been awful, with the Yankees, but the point is you can bring them wherever you want. The team can't hit. I don't really know what more you need to say. Yeah, not not pretty at all. When you when you put up 
Well, they put up four runs in the first three games, and then they doubled that total and put up four in this one. And like you said, still didn't matter. Toronto won that one easily. So if you're a betting man, Scott, I know that's uh, hard for you to, to get a, a handle on, but do you think the Yankees make the playoffs? No. I think if I had to pick two teams right now, I would definitely eliminate Oakland. I don't think Oakland has enough firepower. I think losing Bassett was too big of a deal. That pitching staff isn't good enough. Seattle, no. I think it's a good story. The run differential suggests that it's a little bit fluky. And I think Seattle needs a little bit more firepower. I don't think they're fully there yet, but they're close. I'm looking at Boston and I'm looking at Toronto. Boston is a tricky one because Boston had a slump like the Yankees are currently having about, I don't know, two weeks ago, three weeks ago, right. but they still have a lot of talent. They still have a good enough rotation to get by with Chris sale back. The issues with the bullpen, but Boston can hit Toronto can hit and Toronto is really just cooking. It wouldn't not, it would not if Toronto gets the number one seed out of the wild card game. You No, that wouldn't surprise me at all. And this is an Oakland team that has a pretty easy schedule for the next week and a half. They've, they've got three against Texas, Kansas City, and the Angels. And then it gets funky. Then they've got they've got seven against Seattle, and they've got six against Houston. That's seven ones in elimination game series, by the way. I know, of course, it's not seven in a row, but one team needs to dominate that series between Seattle and Oakland. If not, they're both going to eliminate themselves. Yeah, they've got a they've got a four game series at home against Seattle. Then they got three again against Houston at home. Then they go on the road to close out with three against Seattle and three against what, Houston. What do you think? Five and two is what you need out of those seven. Gotta be, gotta be five and two. Hopefully six and one. Yeah, well, that's the same thing with the Yankees situation because the Yankees have to play Toronto and they're playing Boston, and a lot of these teams might just cannibalize themselves. So it's going to be a very close race. If you're worried about if your team's going to get in, believe me, you got a long way to go because you have a lot of games against each other that's going to decide a lot. Yankees and Mets coming up. Are you intrigued about that over the weekend? I think both teams are underwhelming. But as far as I know, DeGrom's not coming back yet, so that's definitely a good start. On the bright side, the Mets can't it either, so maybe the Yankees can win a couple games 2-1. to one, But Now Kluber's coming back. Do you care about that? Well, Kluber been pitching. The issue is that he just hasn't been very good. Which doesn't surprise me because he's made he what struggled. one? He's made one start, right? Two. He started Two against starts. Los Angeles and he started against Baltimore last Sunday. But he was awful in rehab starts, so he came back and shockingly he's given up runs. So I'm not surprised. It took him a while to get going to start the season, and he's had arm issues in the past. So I'm not fully sold that Kluber's going to really contribute much to this whatever. I don't know if you want to call it a run, an implosion, however you really want to phrase it for the Yankees, but. That's the issue is I don't really know what the spark is because even in the ninth inning yesterday, they ended up losing the game by two and you can't assume that they're going to score two runs in the bottom of the ninth. How do you throw Andrew Heaney in any type of meaningful game? I don't understand it. I know he had a decent start. What last time out? I mean, at least uh, did it end up being a good start? I know he got off to a good start. Well, he's been coming out of the bullpen for the last couple of outings, but they brought him in when the Yankees were down two yesterday going into the bot going to the ninth. And I get that you're playing about 20 days in a row. You have no days off. You got to rest the bullpen. Why is Heaney on the roster? Like he's doing nothing for you. You have to get rid of him. Admit the trade was bad and just, you know, cut, just cut him. Save I don't face. What's I don't, the point? I don't think they're going to do that after trading for him a month ago. Believe me, they should. 
because they gave up a really, I'd say, average at best prospect. They didn't give up much. The experiment, whatever you want to call it, has been a disaster. You cannot use him in Yankee Stadium at least. He's a fly ball pitcher who's a lefty pitching Yankee Stadium, which is, of course, one of the easiest parks to hit home runs in. It's a marriage made in hell. You have to get rid of him or at least stop using him. You agree with that? Well, I was surprised that they traded for him. I was. I they was, shouldn't have. He was awful. We 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 roasted him. We faded him all year long when he started with the Angels and had great, I'm still fading had great him, success but... doing it. Right. You're, and they they put they gave him a couple starts that didn't work out. Now they've relegated him to the bullpen. I don't know. I you know I'm not a, I'm not a baseball GM. I'm not as smart they, as Brian. They blew Cashman. the game on Sunday against Baltimore. I think he faced five batters and all five guys got on base and Baltimore scored. I believe it was five runs in the seventh. The Yankees blew a big lead in that game. But Heaney, if you're in the middle of a playoff run, should never be in the game unless you're up by at least seven runs. Well, see that's the thing. What do you what do you do with him? I mean, if you, you keep get rid it, of him, I mean, I'm not you, even joking. Yeah, you I mean, should actually you, send him down or cut him. Well, who are you going to bring up? Uh, I don't know if Ridings is healthy or not. Of course, he was very good when he came up. I know he was a little bit injured. There was a period for a week where Heaney was on the roster and Heel was not. He had not given up an earned run in his career, and they were keeping Andrew Heaney over Heel. What are you doing? Yeah, I don't. I don't really get that either. Of course, we've had injuries. Britain's out for the year. Loisic is on the ILs. So the bullpen isn't exactly as steady as it once was. But, I mean, damn, man, this guy can't pitch. You can't keep throwing him out there. How do you really feel? Uh, I feel like he's really, really bad. Oh, man. So where do you if, – if the Yankees don't make the playoffs, what do we do? Do we clean house? We get rid of everybody? You get rid of Cashman? I've been we... calling for them to blow it up for over a year. I don't think the core is good enough. I, I do think the judge is good enough to resign. I think that he's a good – enough hitter i'm not gonna spend too much time on this gary needs to go torres needs to go you need to at least trade or sign a couple of other starting pitchers besides cole but good the main core not very good all right very good hey we'll be back to talk a little baseball and a little football right after this message stay tuned everybody so scott last time we were out in vegas every time we were trying to have a nice meal what is the number one question you kept hearing whenever we were at dinner are you going to finish that? What? Appetizers, entrees, sides. You're always asking if I was going to finish what I was eating. Okay. Hey, in my defense, you eat slower than a turtle on Xanax. But, okay, let me make the question a little easier. What's the number one question you would get from people when you tell them you work for Winners and Winers? What's Winners and Winers? Exactly. So what do you tell them? I tell them that it is the place to go for your sports betting needs. They have breakdowns on every single game in a variety of sports, basketball, Football, college football, we know that's coming up. It's been really a great opportunity to just get better at sports betting, and they give you all the opinions that you need. Yeah, see, and the thing I like about it is the fact that they don't just inundate you with numbers that have no context. You know, you go to some places and they just throw numbers, 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 but they don't tell you what they mean, and you just kind of your eyes glaze over. But these guys, not only do they use those same numbers and put them in context, but they're fantastic writers, they're great handicappers, you mentioned college football coming up. That's my favorite time to use winners and winners because they do every FBS game every single week. It is a fantastic site. Scott, what's the best part about winners and winners? It's absolutely free to use. That's right. It is absolutely free to use. Winnersandwinners.com. You absolutely have to check it out. 
you need to make this site part of your daily handicapping regimen. If you are not doing it, you are absolutely leaving money on the table. So, see, that wasn't that hard at all, right? Sure, you're still getting none of my fries. What? I, I didn't. I didn't say a word. I saw you looking at them. Seriously, dude, it's it's been like an hour. If you're not going to eat them, oh man, that's brutal. All right, fine. Seriously though, winnersandwiners.com. Go there or be square. Welcome back to the second half of Winners and Winners Radio. Give us an hour and we'll give you the winners. Scott, bad time to be in Baltimore. Oh, man. Can you can you believe that practice they had yesterday? Uh, back-to-back plays. Oh, was it practice? I thought you meant the Orioles 6-0 to the Royals. <laughs> well, that's not that's not ideal either. But they are... Uh, who's who's on the roster? Who's left over on the roster now, Scott? I talk about for running backs. Yeah, who, or, they, who do they have? Who do they have to run the football right now? They've been testing free agency, but they got uh, Tyson Williams, who's now their new starter. Of course, they signed Le'Veon to the practice squad yesterday. They have contacted Latavius Murray. I know that they also reached out to Devontae Freeman. I'm pretty sure Murray's getting signed by Baltimore. So, of course, he doesn't know the playbook. So I'm not sure if he's going to be useful for Game One. But yeah. Baltimore has really no running backs that you trust. I heard good things about Tyson Williams. I know he was undrafted. He's done good things in training camp and in preseason. But, yeah, that's not good when you lose three running backs from leg injuries in the span of about a month and you haven't even started the regular season schedule yet. Well, and that's brutal. And then on the next play, they lose Marcus Peters. I heard he's pretty good. You know, uh... I'm a huge Peters guy. I know he can't tackle, but he's the master of the pick six for me. Okay, well, that's... So many pick sixes. So many. That's He's not, so good. He just plays center field as a cornerback. I'm I'm not impressed with his skill level at all. Having oh, I know, because you got to see him in person. I but did. Every time you're betting on the Rams in the last couple of years, and fourth quarter, you need a score or something, and you know Peters is lurking every single time. A couple of really big pick sixes for me in the past, so I always loved Peters. Awful tackler. Beyond oh, terrible, terrible, tackler. absolutely, absolutely but the worst. He's their best corner, or you can argue it's either him or Marlon Humphrey. It, it's a disastrous blow for this defense. There's really no way around it. Whether you like Peters or not, that's a huge absence in that defense. Does that make the Ravens unplayable there in the AFC North? Does that just hand the division to the Cleveland Browns? We both like the Browns anyway, right? We know that Baltimore is a team that's a limited offensively because they can pretty much only run the ball, especially since you got Bateman in the draft, who's not even healthy. So you basically have the same offense as last year with the addition of Sammy Watkins, who is also always injured. So we'll see how long he stays healthy for. But the defense should be worse. I mean, Judon's no longer there, of course, in the defensive line. He went to New England, I believe. You lost your best corner. You're a running team with no running backs. This I know Harbaugh is a great coach, so maybe he can find a way to make it work. It's probably DefCon one. You? It's either it's either two or one. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of curious that I'm I'm just looking at the odds here. Of course, this is it. This is at Bet Online. This is the one I just pulled up. They've still got him as co-favorites. I would take Cleveland. 
I think that if you needed one deciding factor, which was the head-to-head between Baltimore and Cleveland, because Baltimore seems to always win the head-to-heads, yeah. Cleveland should at least win one this year, and that might be all you need. They've still, and they've still got Cleveland at plus 140 and Baltimore plus 140. And by the way, I have just loaded up on Cleveland to win that division at plus 140. I don't think that price is going to last very long. I think- is, that a, is that a live bet future that we just did on the air? Yeah, that's exactly what that is. Fair, uh, we're changing the game as we speak. Um, we we've been doing that all the time, buddy. Yep. <laughs> I, I I can't. How you, how do you pass that up? I I don't think that's going to be plus one forty very much longer. I can't believe it's still there. Now I'm not sure what the props you'd actually try to target are. Of course, you're not going to get any Williams props for the season. Week one, I love Williams over whatever the rushing yards are for Monday night. Lamar, it's in the nine hundreds. He's had at least a thousand each of the last two years rushing. Is he just automatically going to rush, run the ball like 15 times a game because they have nobody else back there, basically? Yes. Yes, and pray that he stays healthy. That's exactly And Latavius Murray could be decent, but he's also older. There's a reason why the Saints want him to take a pay cut. It's because they realize they got another guy in Tony, in, uh, Tony Jones Jr., I believe, who's better than he is. So right. he's over the hill. Freeman's over the hill. Le'Veon's over the hill. They got a lot of guys, and Williams might be the only one who's good, and nobody ever heard of him before two days ago. Little uh, little sprinkle on uh, rookie of the year for him? I think you make an argument, but no. I, I just don't think he's going to get enough recognition. I think it's going to a quarterback as a quarterback award. Unless you have a ridiculous performance by a wide receiver or running back, I don't think that a running back has a shot. I'm going to go with the quarterbacks. I think one of them is going to win it. You? I'm not. Yeah, I don't. I don't know how much I like these wide receivers. You know, you've got you've got Hollywood Brown, who I think is. Would you? I would call him an underperformer in his two seasons in the league. Yeah, he's he's an underperformer who who will randomly have one really good week against a garbage team every year. Yeah. Well, he started off. What was it? Two years ago, where he started off and was just a monster. Had two huge uh, catches against the from, Dolphins. They right. won like fifty something. Right. 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 Exactly. And then you've got and then you've got Watkins and and uh, uh, Devernay. Tell me which one of those guys you like. Watkins, when healthy, is a good possession guy. But if your best receiver on the entire depth chart is either Hollywood Brown or a rookie who's currently injured, you have some serious problems. I know Andrews is good, but, I mean, you need some weapons on the outside. You got to stre- have somebody who can actually stretch the field. Yeah, all of a sudden, I just I just don't like I thought I thought this Baltimore offense was sketchy at best, especially once they started dropping running backs, and now that they've dropped their – their third running back. Uh, I have no interest in this team at all. Now, I actually want to ask you just on the, off the cuff. I know you didn't really have time to look at it before. Based on the injuries to Peters and to Gus Edwards, how many wins do you think are deducted from those two injuries regarding a win total? Two. You think it's two? One and a half or two, yeah. I was going to say one and a half. So, yeah, I think this team definitely got significantly worse yesterday. Yep, I would, uh, yeah, load up, load up all you can on Cleveland plus 140, kids. That's my official play for the day. I think Cleveland, if you want to sprinkle with Pittsburgh, if you think Pittsburgh might be better than Baltimore, maybe you're cooking with a little sprinkle of grease. You know what, buddy? If Pittsburgh wins that division, I'm not sure we can ever come back on the air. I don't know if we can, but I'm trying to before uh, you know, it yeah. all goes awry. But I'm just saying, do you think Baltimore's now worse than Pittsburgh? I don't know. I think it's close. You know, the pro- I, just, I still think Cincinnati's the worst team in that division, but I think the problem with these teams is you got two teams with very good defenses whose offense isn't going to allow them much much rest. If you would have given two of those receivers from Pittsburgh to Baltimore, then I think Baltimore would get by. 
but Pittsburgh's just hoarding good receivers. Yeah. yeah. So I think Pittsburgh might be better than Baltimore right now. I think Pittsburgh's kind of the opposite problem of New England. Pittsburgh, they got great receivers and nobody that can get them the ball. New England's got somebody that can get them the ball and they got no receivers. Is New, is New England the worst skill position team in the, in the National Football League? I think it's close. I'll tell you a sleeper candidate there would be well, it's not really a sleeper because they're supposed to be bad, but Detroit or Houston. I mean, Brandon Cooks is their number one over there. That's not exactly ideal, but he's fine. Who does Detroit have? I mean, you lost Galladay. You lost Marvin Jones. What do you have there besides Hawkinson and DeAndre Swift, who might be involved in a murder plot? So I'm not sure if he's going to be able to play this season. Now, Scott, tell us, tell, tell the audience, for, for those of you that have been caught up in the NFL game yesterday, tell us exactly what's going on with DeAndre Swift. So there was an issue, according to Philly, there was a Philly police report where DeAndre Swift's name was listed being involved in some type of a murder plot. Really, all all this got reported yesterday. There's not really any more news to it. It's going to be a wait-and-see approach. But For for the record, it's a murder plot that didn't occur, right? As far as I know, the truth is I didn't do much digging into it because a lot of it is going to be investigated and we'll see what happens there, but if he's arguably their best skill position guy and he might be missing a part of the season, Detroit has nobody. Who do they have? Hawkinson? They're in a little bit of trouble. That's, you know, that's been a, that's been a weak receiver squad for, I don't know, 10 years since, uh, since Megatron retired, basically. Yeah. I, I think that new England was last year for skill positions, but they signed Hunter Henry. They signed Johnny Smith. They got Aguilar. They got Kendrick Bourne. I don't think that their skill position group is great, but they definitely improved compared to last year. Last year, they were easily the least talented skill position group. Well, okay. But I I would also put this forward. If you are talking about your team in the same breath as the Houston Texans and the Detroit uh, Detroit Lions, as far as skill position goes, that's not a great sign. That is not It's it's not good. good. I'm just saying they did technically improve compared to last year's inept uh, receiver core. Okay. Well, fair enough. Yeah, that's a... That's a pretty. That's a pretty. That's a pretty. That's a pretty hapless group there with Detroit with DeAndre Swift. They have Jamal Williams, and uh, there's a backup running back, and then they've got Terrell Williams, Amon Ross, St. Brown, and Khalif Raymond as your. I wasn't. Receivers. I wasn't joking. It's an abysmal skill position. Group. Yikes! Yikes! Well, at least they've at least they've got Jared Goff to throw him the ball. That's fantastic. But I actually want to circle back to Baltimore one more time, just really quickly. You think they missed the playoffs? I know, of course, there are seven teams now in the playoffs instead of the usual six. To go through, and I'm trying to think who is who's going to who would. I think it comes down to them or Pittsburgh. I think that there is, if you're looking at the odds, they're still favored to make the playoffs. If there's a time for you to fade a team that you think is going to be battered and they're going to fall apart, there's always a couple of teams every year that uh, lose about three more games than they did the year prior, maybe more. Baltimore is looking like a ticking time bomb. Agreed. Yeah, this is a team. I would say, okay, so you've got you've got San Diego, or you've got the the Chargers. Do you have who do you have coming out of the East? Do you have a second team coming out of the East? Uh, you can make an argument for Miami or New England that Baltimore might hypothetically compete with. Okay. I'm, I I I do think it's close. I actually think New England's going to be in the running. I think it's close, but the point is Baltimore. Even though there's seven teams, they're not going to clinch if they even get in until probably the final week of the regular season. They're going to be in a dogfight. 
I think that's entirely possible. Yes. I think I think with six teams making the playoffs, they're probably out. I think with seven teams, uh, I think they're still maybe. even money shot. They might compete with the Colts. Who knows? That AFC South is so bad, maybe the Colts can find a way to win some games. Yeah, another team that we're kind of down on, but yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens there. It's, but we're down on all the teams. If you're the seventh best team in the conference, allegedly, we're going to be somewhat down on you. Fair enough, buddy. Fair enough. Um, all right, so well, we got done with the we got done with the NFL, and now we've got a little bit of college action, Scott. Not a not a not a huge slate of Friday night games, but we do have a couple. One of them we're going to talk about a little bit later. But we do have another uh, contest between FBS schools. That's going to be UTEP and Boise State. Um, any thoughts there? I do find the spread a bit fascinating. Now, UTEP has played nobody. They beat New Mexico State handily, and they beat Beth, uh, Bethune-Cookman. Bethune-Cookman, right? Yep. Yeah, they, they didn't cover, but they ended up winning that game by double digits. Boise lost a very tough game to UCF. They were winning a decent amount of that game. Bachmeyer had the brutal interception at the end of regulation, which lost them the game. It's one of those situations where your team got embarrassed. You've had over a week to think about it. Does Boise show up at home and kick their asses? I, I think that that could happen. I'm going to go with Boise. I think it's going to be very dicey for garbage time. But if Boise's really annoyed and they really want to make a statement, they'll win by 30. Are you worried about that defense at all that UCF pretty much had their way with them? Or is it just a matter of UCF is so much better than UTEP is at the offensive side that it, you can't even compare them? Well, when you think of UCF and you think of group five teams, even just in general, does UCF have a top 20 offense in the entire country? At the end of the I day, you maybe. Can, you can make the argument that they're easily top 30. Yeah. Top 20, maybe. Yeah, that's about right. What's UTEP? Bottom, what's what's UTEP? Top 95? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, so I'm, I'm not going to overreact to it. UCF okay. just has a lot of speed, a lot of weapons. Gabriel's a good quarterback. I just don't think you can compare that. You can maybe make the argument that Boise will make some adjustments that are necessary, which could lead to a world of hurt for UTEP. But UTEP, not really good at throwing, not really great at running, easy schedule to start the year. Boise, if they really want to, can win by 40. I think they'll win by 28. I'll take Boise. Take Boise, take Boise to cover there. It's not. I'm not thrilled with it, but I can't take UTEP there. I'm with you. you. Yeah, Boise is four zero and one. Their last, their last five at home is as twenty plus point spread. So, uh, in spite of my horrible syntax there, I think you guys know what I mean. But yeah, I, I, I can't really play UTEP in that spot. I mean, it's Boise or pass. Any, th- any thoughts on the total? Uh, if I was going to look anywhere, I'd probably look towards the. I would lean over because i think boise might just score 45 right so it, it's really a question if you get many stops from utep's perspective i don't you still got shakur on the outside who nobody on utep can guard he's a phenomenal wide receiver bachmeyer still good the ground game's still good with van buren i just think boise could score 40 plus and if that's the case i'd rather take a utep team total under because boise might score 50 by themselves but I'll lean over, pass for me. But if you think UTEP might get shut out here, then take the under. Okay. Um, yeah, I think I think that's solid. I, I I do worry about UTEP being able to contribute to that total. 
I just think you're getting in front of a freight train. You think Boise can score 49 and you want to take an under. Yeah, it certainly could be. It could be 45-10 pretty easily, but then again, they could give up a couple. They could give up a touchdown, a field goal in garbage time there, 10 points in the fourth quarter that pretty much screws your under. North Carolina A&T and Duke. Scott, this is a terrible, terrible Duke team, but North Carolina A&T, 20 points is the spread. Not going to get a lot of play, I'm guessing, but there might be some value there. You got anything on this one? I'm not taking Duke. This team stinks. I, I, I recommended a sprinkle on Charlotte Moneyline last week because I thought the line looked like a trap, but Duke is minus 20. I talked about how Cutcliffe has a reputation for being good. He has a losing record as a coach. He's not very good as a head coach. North Carolina A&T, usually a decent program for you know their standards. I would say that Duke should win. Do you really want to lay 20 with Duke? In this situation, I think Duke is one of the worst teams in the ACC. I would take the points and run, but I think Duke wins by 14. You? Yeah, I, I think the problem is this North Carolina A&T squad really can't run the football. So no. I just think they give Duke enough opportunities to cover that number. I hate, I hate this Duke team. I think they're going to be awful, but I think this is going to be a good matchup for them. I think they, uh, I think they eke out a cover in this one. And if you really think it's close, which I think we would agree that it is, I'd rather be on the dog in a close game than than a close spot than the favorite. But I'm trying to figure out how you even motivate your team to bounce back. Yeah, we lost to Charlotte yes last week. Now we face off against North Carolina A and T, and we have NC Central. Uh, no. We got we got to face off. I'm sorry, that was a North Carolina A and T schedule. But it's like, yeah, we got North Carolina A and T. Then after that, you go down the schedule for Duke, and you end up facing Northwestern next week. I feel like they're gonna look over this one, even though Northwestern also stinks. Did you know we're and we we talked about doing a, a new segment, Scott, where we talk about the cheapest prices. Do you know you can go see Northwestern play this weekend for two dollars? You could pay me two dollars. I might not want to see that offense play, but. Do you think that's a look-at spot for Duke? Maybe, because Northwestern isn't a good team, but they at least have a pedigree about them. Oh, it's the Brain Bowl. Yeah. yeah. That... Why is why is Duke going to care about this A&T game when you got Northwestern at home next week? You're right. It's weird It's weird to think of Duke in a look-ahead spot because they shouldn't be really looking past anybody. Especially after a loss, but yeah. I, I, I think that they might get it to a big lead and then coast. Fair enough. And we've got the North Car- North Dakota no longer fighting Sioux. It's the Fighting Hawks squaring off against Utah State. Utah State surprising winners last week over Washington State on the road, Scott. Kind of a little trappy line here as Utah State comes home. Currently a seven-point favorite, buddy. What's the deal? I'm taking North Dakota. I was on the fence earlier before we went on recording. But this line really, really stinks. Now, I talked about last week with the Charlotte-Duke game. I said, that line stinks. I'm taking Charlotte. Utah State beat Washington State as 17-point underdogs or so. And you'd assume that they'd be getting a ton of respect, especially the first home game of the season. They got Bonner. They still have Anderson as the coach who they got. And, of course, the offense looked pretty good. This just stinks as a line. You would think Utah State, after winning that game, would be laying at least 10 right. against an FCS team. I'm going to take the FCS team because I feel like they're daring you to take Utah State, and I got to stick with the, with what worked for me last week, which was 
fade the or back the fishy line spot there. I'm going with North Dakota plus the points. Do you, do you think do you think that line is reflective of a, a letdown spot for Utah State? I think it definitely could. I also think that it's a matter of a letdown and the fact that the books are reminding you there's a reason why even though they won the game, they were 19-point underdogs against Washington State. Right. It's because the odds makers clearly think this team isn't very good. I think the odds makers are wrong. I think Logan, could be. Logan Bonner gives them uh, a, a dimension that they didn't have before, ever. You know, we, we liked this kid a lot when he was at Arkansas State last year. And uh, I, I've got I've – got, I've, I'm, I'm going to fall for the banana in the tailpipe, buddy. But I think that's why I'm leading North Dakota. I just don't want to have a banana in my tailpipe. Fair enough. I'm I'm going I'm going to do it. I'm going I'm going full hog and taking Utah State in this one. All right. So big baseball day. We talked a little bit about baseball. We do have one more college game to get to, and we'll be uh, hitting that in just a second. But uh, as far as as far as the diamond goes, Scott, I know it's I know it's a little early to ask you for your opinion on baseball after the Yankees tragedy. But you got anything on the baseball card that gets you going tomorrow? If the or Yankees today, playing, rather. If the Yankees are playing, I bet against them. Oh, look, they play the Mets. Who would have thought? Uh, looking at the Mets, I guess, but looking for games with actual lines involved. The Yankees are the favorites again, by the way. <laughs> I'm sure they are. I'm sure that I'm sure they are. Uh, but looking at the actual line here, I'm tempted by Angels' first five with Otani against Valdez. I think you'll see a lower scoring game, totals eight. We know the Angels' bullpen's bad. Otani's still very good as a pitcher. I think that first five plus a half, maybe first five under there. I see a low scoring beginning to that game with Otani and Valdemar. You? You know, I'm just, I will go ahead and back Otani on the full game there. Yeah. I, I think yeah, this is a, this is a guy that's uh, that's getting it done. I, I don't think, I don't know that I'm going to, I'm back him in any other game in this series, but I, uh, I, I do like Otani and you're just getting such a remarkable price, Scott. That's, that's, that's what's that's what's tempting to me is not necessarily it's the matchup it's just the fact that it's a bargain and mm-hmm. uh, I'm I'm digging that Fram uh, Frambert Valdez is fine but I'm not sure he is the quality pitcher that they need in that spot and this is a Houston team that's kind of been uh, you know just kind of muddling around here lately and winning winning and losing about the same amount. Otani has been uh, very good. The Angels have won, what six of his last seven starts. Yeah, I can, I can, I can think of a better way to uh, to take a spin. Uh, Valdez wasn't good his last time out, losing to Musgrove and the Padres. He went six innings, gave up four earned, six hits, walked two. Yeah, I'll take a, I'll take a little uh, a long shot there on uh, the Los Angeles Angels. Quick question, by the way, with Ray against Chris Ellis. Do you like Toronto minus six and a half or minus seven and a half for the alternative run one? <laughs> that is likely to get ugly there, my friend. I, I don't know how you can expect Ray to not pitch well. He's been doing so well for the last month and a half, pretty much all year, but especially the last month and a half. Right. However, we have seen a lot of Cy Young favorites struggle in the start after. I don't know if they can hear the noise and read the headlines and everything, but Toronto is just so hot right now. There's really no other way to put it. It's just that team is so good. Yeah, they're average. They're 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 just tearing the cover off the ball. They're averaging about seven point four runs per game with their last eight. 
Baltimore is just, you know, they're doing they're doing Baltimore things. Now, you know, Ellis has been not bad. Not bad. Not bad. He's only he's only made three starts in his in his young career and he didn't he didn't do well last time. He doesn't last long. So Scott, we get to see this we get to see this Baltimore bullpen. Is there any value on this play? Because you can lay the run line and we're still not going to get much of a prize. I think if you want to look at two and a half, maybe because you're guaranteed nine at bats. Yeah. Maybe look for a Baltimore team total under if you think Ray gives you seven. But Balt- Toronto, after sweeping the Yankees in Yankee Stadium, could be a, maybe a letdown spot. I don't see it. They're half a game out of a wild card spot. Yeah. Full pedal to the metal. I think Toronto wins handily. Yeah, and they got their, and they got their boy on the mound. I like I like Toronto in that spot very much. All right, buddy. Well, that just leaves us one more thing to take care of here, as far as today's show goes. And we're going to shut out the close out the week and close out our show, putting our heads together, coming up with our very very favorite play of the day. This is where if you had to bet all all of your chips, put them all in the middle, Scott. Just make one play for today. This is the one that we would recommend. It's time to put on your overalls, climb on that John Deere, and fire that bad boy up, folks. Because get ready, it's time for. Bet the farm. Nope. Ah. All right, Scott. Minor, minor farm, minor farm accident. Minor farm accident there. There was a donkey on the farm. A lot of a lot of farms have donkeys. So here it is, my friend. This is the game that we didn't touch on as far as college football goes, and this is Coastal Carolina, as they will be playing a home favorite to the KU Jayhawks. They are currently oh, 26.5 point favorites. Before we get going, Scott, have you ever seen an, uh, a group of five school favored by that much over a power five school? Uh, if not, it should happen more often. I was There's a lot I, of really bad power five teams. I was trying to think of the case where where we might have had that, and I, for the life of me, couldn't come up with it. Did Scott Frost's team ever play like Vanderbilt when he was still at UCF or something? Mm, like I, I don't know. Maybe I guess that would be that would be an option, something to look at there. But the one we are more interested in, because Coastal they pulled a lot of starters last week against the Citadel. It's possible it could happen, although I think they keep the pedal to the metal. But the, sh- the play that we really like here is Coastal Carolina first half, minus 16. That's available, minus 110 at DraftKings. Um, University of Kansas, with their new coach, Lance Leopold from Buffalo, they want to run the ball. And that's exactly what they did against the South Dakota Coyotes, Scott. They ran the ball 41 times. Well, that's good news. That's running the ball a lot. Bad news is they got just 82 yards out of it. The worst news is the quarterback had 54 of those yards. So if you're counting at home, that means they had 26 carries for 28 yards from their running backs. That is not ideal. Meanwhile, Coastal, they showed the Citadel who was boss as they led a 31-zip at halftime before they went ahead and called off the dogs in the second half and roasted, uh, rested pretty much uh, the entire offensive unit. Last year, these two teams played in Lawrence. Coastal led 28-3 at halftime. Give us the Coastal Carolina Chanticleers, minus a 16 in the first half. And that's going to do it for our Bet the Farm play. And that is going to do it for today's edition of Winners and Winers Radio. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for checking us out all week. Don't forget to check out our special NCAA football and NFL videos and podcasts that will be coming up shortly. All right, for myself and for Scott, 
Have a great weekend. Good luck on all your plays. We'll see you Monday on Winners and Winners Radio. Take care, everybody.